1: Set Phaser is a highly illogical Star Trek podcast, but this week with no Star Trek discovery.
0: That is true. We do not have any Star Trek discovery this week, alas.
1: So what are we going to talk about, Aki?
0: We're going to talk about Season 3 in total, from the beginning, from the top, Mm -hmm. to the bottom.
1: It's not going to be like two hours long, is it?
0: No, it'll be extremely condensed.
1: Super fast. I'm excited. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I'm ready to run it down.
0: Okay, great. Let's run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? me yeah. what just happened. Can you run it down for me? Okay, so we begin with the first two episodes. The first one is Michael showing up in the future, 930 years. She's in the Red Angel suit. She drops the suit. She vomits. She meets Book. He's super sexy.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, yes. They go to the exchange. They get high. Well, Michael gets high. They fight everyone there. They steal some dilithium. They go back. Michael gets swallowed by a transworm. She gets spit up by a transworm. The transworm's name, incidentally, is Molly. Then they return the transworm to the happy transworm planet, and they go to one of the... the, defunct starbases that the federation used to own because we find out that the federation is no longer in this future and they meet aditya sahil who's been out there waiting for someone from the federation to contact him and michael is the first person there apparently he's been waiting and his father's been waiting and his father's father before him had been waiting and all he can say is that hope is you for which the title of the from which the title of the episode draws its name and that uh, there's no other Federation anywhere near. Subspace has been destroyed, uh, and she'll need to go search to find uh, Federation headquarters, if in fact they exist. In episode 2, Far From Home, they have crash land on this planet. Everything gets messed up and jacked up. Uh, Saru tries to take control. The, the, the crew is all kind of a little bit shaky, but Saru and Tilly go out because they find out there are some settlements. They show up in these rustic settlements with these... Miners to find out that the miners have been being taken advantage of by the couriers of the exchange. One courier in specific, who we shall refer to as Spurs, who shows up with his spurs at Clankin and uh, proceeds to try and extort Saru and Tilly. And he's about to send Tilly out into the snow to go get Dilithium and bring it back to him and tells her to hurry because the snow would kill her. And they have no options except Giorgio shows up, kicks everybody's ass. They go back to the ship. And when they try to take off, they can't because the ice is all over the ship and it's crushing the hull. And then boom, there's a tractor beam and who should be pulling them out? But Michael with her tractor beam off Book's ship. So that's season, that's episode two. Episode three, they go to Earth because now that they have a spore drive, they can make it to Earth because it would take too long traveling sub warp. They go straight to Earth. Guess what? Earth's not super welcoming. And they basically try to fire on Discovery and they they are managed to work it out, but then the Earth is attacked by people from elsewhere, but it turns out that those people from elsewhere are actually other humans who had lost contact with Earth because Earth had become so jingoistic, and Saru and Michael and Giorgio and Tilly have to get those two people to talk together at the table, and it is in that episode that we first meet Adira Tal. Adira, who's working for the Earth's forces, but also is carrying the symbiote, that has the memories of Senatal, who was a trill commander in the federation who apparently died and root and knows where the uh, federation headquarters are however however Adira is a human and they cannot communicate directly with the trill symbiote because they're not trill they got the symbiote from their boyfriend who was a trill who died in under mysterious circumstances and that we find out in episode four forget me not when we travel to planet trill uh adira is not warmly welcomed by the Trill people except one person who's willing to take them to the caves where they get into the milky soup they journey into adira's mind a connection is made through past trauma Uh, adira is able to connect to all the previous hosts and is able to give Michael the location of Federation Headquarters, bringing us to episode five, Die Trying, in which Discovery enters the protective bubble of the secret Federation Headquarters and finds themselves, once again, not warmly welcomed by anyone. But we do meet Admiral Vance, who, though he's happy to, you know, see a ship that can travel faster than, like, Impulse, is also upset that they apparently have by just being there, they have broken the temporal accords because of the temporal cold war. And I won't go into all of that, but if you watch enterprise, you can get a couple of glimpses of it in the last two seasons when they tried to do something new, that's not here nor there in order to prove themselves to the current federation. Michael takes discovery. They jump to a weird, like, uh, stormy nebula, have to pull a seed ship out of a storm. Detmer is is kind of shaky this whole time because of the experience of the crash landing and moving forward through time, and everyone's feeling a little disconnected, and they are able to get onto the ship and find a cure for some, I believe they're called, Keeley ref- refugees who are suffering some sort of nervous system problem, but we lose one great crew member, Commander Nan, who's a Barzan, takes over the ship because the people who were guiding the sea ship die. So, Nan, we salute you, and we hope to see you again. Uh, they go back, they heal the people, and Vance is like, okay, I guess we're cool. Bringing us on to Scavengers. Book was cut loose. Book, who we met in the first episode, who definitely should be a love interest for Michael because he couldn't keep his shirt on anytime he was on screen for more than five minutes. He sends a message to Michael because he had been cut loose after they left Earth. He's been trapped and and basically entered into like a slavery on Hunhao by the Emerald Chain. And this is our first experience up close with the Emerald Chain. So Saru says we can't go because the Federation needs us here in order to be ready to jump to there's some sort of like uh, emergency which i didn't write down but that's why saru says they can't go michael says okay sure i'm your first officer i understand that's a direct order i won't go save my possible love interest thanks for talking bye bye then goes to talk to Giorgio in a corridor and she's like hey i want to do something in direct violation of a direct order Giorgio says i'm down so they take book ship oh yeah book sent the ship with grudge to send the message yes that he was trapped on Howe and told michael not to worry which of course caused michael to worry so Giorgio, michael and grudge no grudge stays behind and there's a very funny scene with grudge and tilly in the room uh they go they say book they meet osiris nephew who's running the plant the like indentured server to on Howe. i believe his name is talor They also meet Rin, who is an Andorian who once tried to lead a resistance against Osira and the Emerald Chain, uh, who had his antenna cut off and now is sort of like a whipped dog for the Emerald Chain. Anyway, Michael and Giorgio and Book stage a a great prison escape uh, to the embarrassment of Tolor. They get all the refugees, the refugees, well, the slaves off the planet, and they bounce and they show up back. And Michael has disobeyed a direct order and she is demoted from first officer to merely science officer. And that is scavengers. Moving on to episode seven. And this was an interesting blast to the past because this was unification part three. Yes,
1: I enjoyed that one.
0: In this episode, we have, because Michael has been searching for a reason for the burn. Why did all the dilithium go inert and cause warp failure and all these ships to explode 100, 200 years ago? And apparently there's... Some sort of uh, project that the Federation was working on that Navarre was in charge of that might have information on it. Navarre turns out to be the planet that the Vulcans and Romulans occupy together. It is the legacy of Spock, her brother, whom she saw only a year ago or so, but who's been dead for quite some time. By the time we're 930 years into the future, they go to Navarre. Uh, Michael tries to invoke the Tikal in Ket in order to get the information because the Navarians are reluctant to part with the information because they feel responsible for the burn. They they are carrying a burden of shame, and that is when we discover that none other than Dr. G is there living on Navar as one of the Kuat Milat, which is the, the Order of Sisters who take on the like only lost causes, only hopeless causes, and so Michael has to convince these uh, people from Navarre who are Vulcan and Romulan and a mix of Vulcan and Romulan uh, to give her the information. It's complicated. Her mother pushes her in weird ways, but they're able to get the information if through sort of back channels. And so they're able to get information on one other ship, which is going to allow them to triangulate the location of the Burn, and that brings us to episode eight, Sanctuary! Sanctuary! sanctuary. sanctuary. And once again, we will meet the Emerald Chain. Because Book gets a message from his brother, equally hot, Kahim, on their home planet of quejan saying that Osiris there, and that there's going to be a problem, and that Book needs to show up, so Book goes there with Michael, and they find out about the whole thing that the Chain has done, where they've basically assorted the people of this planet uh, in order to get them to pay for a pesticide that keeps a certain uh, uh, infestation at bay. And that's messing up the whole thing. But the reason that Kahim called Book there was so that Osiris could get Book because Osiris wants Book because Book took Rin because Book knows Rin's secret and Rin's secret is that Osiris and the Emerald Jane are running out of dilithium. And that was the whole ploy and there's some bad blood between Kahim and Book because Book left, but they work it out in the end. Uh, They're able to scare off Osira, and they're able to put their twin space druid minds together to ask the infestation animals to go back to the sea, and it's a beautiful moment of brotherhood and glowing foreheads. Uh, Moving on, we get... ah, Now, here we should pause because this... Is our two part episode in which we deal with Giorgio, Philippa Giorgio, the Emperor of the Terran Empire in the Mirror Universe. Giorgio has not been well. Giorgio has been having falling uh, spells and weird memories. And apparently it's because the two universes have moved further apart in the 930 years since she crossed over. And so uh, there's apparently no cure in that they should. They should let her die, but then the spirit data is like, oh, actually, there is uh, one place you could go. This weird snow planet. So they go, and Georgia goes down with Michael, and they walk, and they meet a very strange guy smoking a cigar and reading the newspaper, who says, "Hey, Georgia, walk through that door." And Georgia's like, "Great, I'll walk through the door." She walks through the door, and she is back in the mirror universe. The day that they christened her flying cathedral on top of a ball of sun field thing, and. Uh, Basically, it's also the day that she finds out that Michael and Lorca and are in cahoots and are going to try to assassinate her. And I thought the whole time that Lorca was going to show up, and he didn't. And Giorgio tries to do things differently this time. She tries to get Michael to give up the bloodlust that is inherent to Terran civilization. And over the course of two episodes, she does not succeed and winds up killing Michael once again. However, she does succeed in... Befriending the Kelpian that is Saru, that isn't Saru, that is Saru. and teaching that Kelpian that um, that they don't die when their threat ganglia fall out. That in fact they become stronger. And then Georgiou, uh kills Michael, and also Michael kills her, and then she passes out. And then it finds we find out that she has just walked through that door on the planet. And they're like, what happened? And and the guy in the chair is like, hey, I'm the Guardian of Forever. Another blast from the past, even further back to the original series. Mm-hmm. And the Guardian's like, hey, we just, this was basically a test to see if you were worth saving. And Giorgio passed. Barely. Basically got an F plus, but she did her best. And then Giorgio and Michael share a tearful goodbye as the Guardian of Forever says, hey, I'm just going to send you back to a time when the universes were closer together. And then your path is your own. And that episode ends with Michael going back to discovery and embracing book. Uh yeah. Now, hold on to your hats because those were episodes nine and 10 and that leaves us only with episodes 11, 12 and 13, which they are just move at a rapid pace. We find out the location of the burn where it originated. They go there. They find a ship inside of a nebula on top of a planet that's made almost entirely of dilithium, and a way team goes down. It's Michael, it's Saru, and it's Hugh Culber. They show up. They're actually in a holo program so that Saru is a human, Michael is a Bajoran. No, Michael is a Trill. And Culber is Bajoran. They and they find out that the computer has basically altered their appearance because there's one living Kelpian down on that planet who was the child of the doctor who ran the ship that crashed there, who died during when the right before the burn happened. Anyway, they're down there, but as they're down there trying to convince that child who's lived through so much trauma that it's not really too ready to accept the reality of the outside world. Osiris shows up and she, Tilly's been left in charge of the ship because when Michael got demoted, Tilly became first officer. So Tilly has the con Osiris shows up. There's a battle of wits. There's a battle of tech, but is able to overwhelm Tilly. She, she takes over discovery. They put a brain neuralizer thing on Stamets and use the spore drive to jump away just as Adira. goes with Book to save Michael and try to get the away team back to the surface because they know that things are dire. Adira goes down with medication to help the away team because there's crazy radiation on that planet. And Michael goes up to Book. They fly out of the nebula and they see that Osara has taken the ship. And so they jump into the quantum slipstream or the courier pathways or some kind of faster than light travel that's also dangerous. Meanwhile, Saru, Adira, and Culber are stranded on the surface. And in episode 12, Adira shows up. She, not Adira, Osira of the Emerald Chain, shows up at Federation headquarters and attempts to negotiate with Admiral Vance on some sort of unification, (laughs) if you will, of the Emerald Chain and the Federation, a new Federation. Uh, While they're doing that, Michael is doing her best Bruce Willis, John McClane impression on the ship as she is trying to retake over the ship that has been hijacked by Osiris, the Emerald Chain, and everyone's favorite bad guy who cares too much about what his hair looks like, Spurs. Uh, Also, Tilly has gathered the bridge crew, and they're doing a hostile takeover of the ship. So all that's happening... The negotiations fall apart with Vance Because Vance says we can join with you But only if you allow yourself to be uh, Tried and prosecuted For the crimes against humanity that you've done Osiris and Osirah's like absolutely not And so she goes back to the ship They leave There's a whole bunch of fighting uh, The Navarre show up And uh, Almost to save the day, Michael is captured, but she's able to get Stamets off the ship because they only want Stamets so they can have the Spore Drive because the Spore Drive is their bargaining chip. Meanwhile, the crew is trying to retake over the ship, and Osira has shut off all the levels that they're down on in the lower decks and is slowly venting the atmosphere so that they pass out and die. (sighs) While that's happening, Michael's able to get Vance to let them go without firing on the ship and destroying it because they have Stamets so they can't use the Spore Drive, and She's got to get the ship back under control so they can get back to the planet made of dilithium and pick up the away team before they die of radiation. They only have 24 hours and I can't explain that any more than I have. And so Michael's able to distract Osira enough while they're uh, trying to torture the information about where this dilithium planet pocket is within that nebula. And she raises up a thing and then she and Book go and they fight in an elevator and Spurs is there and Book and Spurs fight. And Michael goes down to like the central like processing unit of the ship after jumping through the like the, I forget what they're called immediately. Turbolift. Yeah, she jumps out into the turbo lift space and does like a swan dive and then catches another turbolift and kicks guy out of a thing and then goes to the central place and then she and Osiris fight and then she beats Osiris. and she re-jump starts the ship so that the ship takes over itself and then she basically sends all the Emerald Chain people out into their ship but they're inside of an Emerald Chain ship, the Viridian Osiris ship, even though Osyra is dead. So they have to jump out of the ship. So what they do is they drop their core so that the core will explode and at the same time try to use book because they don't have stamets to connect with the mycelial network so that they can jump away right before the ship explodes. And it works. Meanwhile, Saru, Culber, and Adira are able to connect with Sukal. Sukal faces their trauma. and the uh, discovery shows up in a nick of time to get them off the planet before everything is destroyed. And everyone has a happy ending. Saru goes back to uh, the Kelpian planet with Sukal, and Michael is promoted to captain. Hashtag let's fly. And that is season three in a nutshell.
1: Yay! I can't believe you did that that quickly.
0: Well, I turned this into one page of notes. This. It's terrifying. I don't even (laughs) want to talk about what it looks like, but we did it. We... Did it.
1: Okay, so mm-hmm. you did it, my friend. Congrats. Well done. That was very
0: impressive. What would you like to discuss about season three? I have a couple things. What would what do you have on your docket? There's a few key things that I think are important. Firstly, uh, we said goodbye to Giorgio, but I think we all know meta discussion. There's supposed to be a Giorgio series where she's like in or running or part of section 31. Uh, I think that's going to be pretty cool. That's kind of a throwaway, but I think it's just important to note that. Um, I like to discuss the Emerald Chain because the whole se- season, we think the Emerald Chain is basically like Osira, but it turns out the Emerald Chain is more like some kind of weird, not quite tyrannical, more like hyper-fascist, yeah, hyper-capitalistic society, and Osira is one of its, quote, ministers. Yeah. And so even though we've, We've seen the end of Osira and the Viridian and Spurs. We I don't think we've seen the end of the Emerald Chain. Of oh, excuse me. The Emerald Chain.
1: I agree. It's one of those where there was such a big setup for it that they have to do something for season four. Otherwise, it's almost like the wife that doesn't exist only by name in a series. Mm-hmm. Or or the character who, you know, right. like you only know off screen. So yes, I would hope that we get some more detail about that and maybe that's what captain burnham will be doing in season four let's fly let's fly
0: yeah i think that'll be interesting because i think the major menace to society (laughs) is the emerald chain uh and i think that's kind of what this this season was leading to this idea that Osiris is trying to bridge to create a union between these two entities and if the union doesn't exist then there's probably going to be some sort of fallout between the two entities maybe even all out Mm. war but now um, Starfleet slash the Federation should have a ton of dilithium because they got the dilithium planet to mine so at least they'll be able to travel at warp speeds right So I don't know. That'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see if that becomes an all-out war or some sort of, like, you know, is it going to be, like, Voyager, you know, Janeway v. The Borg towards the end? Like, Mm. you know, this is just consuming the whole thing? Or will it be kind of like a periodic thing that comes back, like Romulan Star Empire and stuff like that in in Next Generation?
1: Yeah. Curious. I loved how Janeway got to really dig into the Borg because I think we were introduced to the Borg with Next Gen, and it was scary. With Voyager, we really got into it in a different way. I think.
0: Yeah, it was definitely the Borg was introduced in Next Generation in a very strange way, and then uh, we got Locutus, of course, which is you know epic. Uh, but then, yeah, Janeway actually got yeah. to like really be fighting with yeah. the Borg, and of course that gives us seven of nine. But that's these no, are not Discovery things. <laughs>
1: And we'll dig into that when we, when we talk about Picard.
0: I could talk. Yeah. I could talk about them all day. Yeah. Uh, another thing I'd like to discuss is book.
1: Okay, well, we know Cleveland why you Booker want to talk because, about
0: book. Because, uh, hey, book. Hey, play the book song. Ah, oh, yeah. Hi, I'm Cleveland Booker space druid. My head glows and I talk to animals, plants, and mycelia. Also, I love Michael, but also, why is my name Cleveland Booker? That's weird. Uh, and Grudge, my cat, she's a queen and there's a lot of secrets there and we'll find out what they are.
1: <laughs>
0: Maybe in season four.
1: I do enjoy that.
0: Yes. I, as do I.
1: Okay. Tell me more about book.
0: I'm just curious what's going on with I mean, there's a practical concern. Like, Book, is he part of Federa- the Federation now? Is he going to be official? Or is he going to be some sort of liaison?
1: And can he and Michael have a relationship if he becomes part of the crew? Yeah.
0: Precisely. Precisely. And also, I think there's still some secrets in Book's past. Because in the very last episode, in some of the very last moments... He says, oh, I never told you about my mentor, Cleveland Booker. I should tell you about him sometime.
1: Right, so we so, realize that he's not the original Cleveland Booker, so we don't really know what his name is.
0: Yeah, it's an adopted name. His brother's mm-hmm. name is Kahim, so I don't know. It's interesting. I think there's going to be some interesting backstory there as to what the deal is with his his people on mm-hmm. the planet Quejan. because we do not they're not all empaths like him and his brother, apparently. Otherwise, they could have all gotten together and... Talk to that invasive species. I think it's like right. part of their family line or something, but also they bear no like phenotypical relationship, uh, like similarity to each other.
1: Mm-hmm. So I'm
0: curious as to whether or not he's like adoptive of that family, or I don't know. There's a lot of questions there with Cleveland Booker, which I like. I okay. think it's going to be great. And okay, here's one is Stamus ever going to forgive Michael?
1: Good question. Not sure. Probably eventually. I think there in season four, there'll be some sort of reconciliation and it'll be like, okay, we're cool again. I think that'll...
0: Because obviously, Culber understands. Yes. So it seems like this is one of those things where Stam is going to refuse to understand kind of deal. He'll be
1: really stubborn until one day he Mm -hmm. gets it somehow.
0: Until until Reno bangs some sense into his head. Probably. Yeah.
1: Love me some Reno. All Mm -hmm. right. So mine was more about overall character arcs and developments. Because at some point we were kind of thinking we'd resigned ourselves that Michael was not going to be captain. And of course, she ends up being captain. Was that the plan all along to, to be on this journey with Michael before she sort of eventually takes the captain's chair? So, you know, Michael, her journey as captain. And then the bridge crew, I think this season we've definitely been seeing more of the bridge crew. They've been less kind of auxiliary supportive in terms of their roles. And now we're sort of beginning to see like them interacting with each other and how they connect and how the bridge crew of a Star Trek show is now coming together. Whereas before it's mostly been about Michael and her journey. So I think going into season four, I think we'll end up seeing more of that, I hope.
0: Yeah. And it's worth mentioning that most Star Trek series, it's a pretty stilted slamming together of characters. (laughs) Mm. Uh, especially Well, not the original series But in the original series, that's a totally different deal But certainly the modern Post-80s Star Trek Franchises, those like First seasons, two seasons You like know everyone's name You get to find out where they are, where they're from Like I'm a Klingon who was raised By Russian parents, you know, stuff like that Yeah, but We don't really get to, they don't gel Really as a crew often Until about the third season So I think this was this was the right time for us to really start to become invested. But of course, there were there were elements in season one and season two where you know, Arium and uh, you know Oeshikun and Detmer, we like knew them enough that we are concerned for them mm. when things happen to them. But now we got to see, you know, especially in that last episode, OwO is like basically a a hero. Yeah.
1: In the oh, last yeah. episode,
0: without without OwO, they would not. They would not have gotten the ship back and been able to save the day. Uh, So you know they all pulled together. It's a a real "we did it" kind of situation. But would you include as part of the bridge crew the Sphere data?
1: Hmm. I think we're going to in season four for sure with the the dot. Yeah, the dot thing.
0: I wonder if this is it going to stay in the little robots or is it going to go back to the ship or what the deal is with the
1: ye old. Star Trek, growing its beard theory.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. You got it. It's you got to get the Riker beard, and that's when the show is happening. That's how I interpreted it. I feel like yeah, it comes into its own. You get you get uh, tall, dimple chinned Riker, and he's still doing karate chops and jumping over tables and things like that. And then he grows a beard, and everything's all right. Riker was the book of TNG,
1: and he still steps over a chair with his big, you know. His-
0: Yeah, I mean, just to remind you that he can do karate and play the trombone, I guess. Yes. Uh, Where were we? Sorry, we went off the sphere data. The sphere data. I just I feel like there's more there because the sphere data obviously helped them take back the ship, but they didn't really delve into that. Um, And I wrote that down as one of my things: the the sphere data and its discovery as the ship is somewhat. I mean, this is really off the ranch, so feel free to disregard this altogether, but I really feel like the ship's going to become sentient. That's all I have to say.
1: Is that a, a tinfoil time moment?
0: Correct, 100%. <incoherent> Discovery's going to become a sentient ship. It's awake, it's live. That's my
1: theory.
0: It's alive. It's alive. <laughs>
1: you still haven't sent me that damn sound effect.
0: Well, I played it the one time, and it broke the internet, so...
1: It didn't break the internet. It broke my eardrums.
0: Same def. Uh Some final thoughts. Oh, wait. Uh, yes, no, we covered everything. Well, Tilly.
1: Can we play it to the time?
0: Yeah, of course. Tilly, don't be silly. Tilly, space is wide. grew up in a big way in season three she started out like everyone else a little disjointed and and disconnected in far from home episode two when she's walking with saru before they meet spurs and everything she's lacking some self-confidence feeling a little out of place and saru is like telling her that she is important as a first impression of what they are to the future i think her interactions with spurs early on in that episode also are meant to undercut her a sense of instability. And yet, mm. Loki, on the sly, she's like, she's giving the best advice to everyone, to Michael, to Saru, to Stamets, you know? She's kind of like the best. And then eventually, when Michael gets demoted, we get to see Tilly rise into the first officer position. And she's the one who leads the crew mm. to take the ship back. Um, in, and she's all business. She's like Janeway-level business. When she's taking the crew back, she's like, "We're gonna run for the bridge, and if we fall, we die. But we don't stop until we take the ship back." So, I'm hopeful that Tilly will be first officer season four. A lot of Michael, Michael Tilly.
1: Yeah, that wasn't it. Wasn't decided, was it?
0: It wasn't decided, but I just would be shocked after she was so great mm. in taking the ship back if they were like, "And so and so will be first officer." It's like, come on, yeah, it's got to be Tilly. The crew loves her, loves Tilly. Yeah. You
1: know, I would love to see, Yeah, I do want to see that continue.
0: Yeah, the devotion to Tilly. I mean, I would die for Tilly. So I can't imagine anyone else wouldn't. Um anyway, I just love that she had that experience. She, you know, takes a lot of pot shots from Giorgio, but she comes through super strong when she needs to uh towards the end of the season. So I think we're all we're set up for like a pretty badass crew to do badass things in season four. Yeah. And that's all I have in terms of big things. I don't know if you want to go into some quotable moments.
1: Yes, let's do quotable moments. I didn't write many times, but
0: quotable moments. So I went through all my notes and drew out only the most salient uh, quotes. A few of my favorites picked at random. So I really enjoyed this quote from episode one when Michael is high and she's being interrogated by the Andorian and the Orion. She says, I need to talk to somebody. Can you sit? It's a super cool story. It's just in a completely devastating way, which I think is still very applicable to Discovery overall. Uh, I very much enjoyed Giorgio in episode 10 saying to Saru, not Saru, survive. That is how you honor them. Teach others what you know. That is how you avenge them a sign of of Giorgio, the Terran Emperor's growth. What have we here? How about something from episode nine? This is a long one and I apologize, but I really liked it. It's when Saru's like, "Mm, should we do anything for Giorgio or not? I just can't decide. And Vance tells him, listen, I never listened to advice when I was green, but take it from an old salt who's made a lot of bad calls in his day. A crew member is drowning. If we let her, then your crew will never look at you or the Federation the same way again, and you will never look at yourself the same way either. You tell them, Vance. I like that. Uh, Oh, no, I didn't mark which episode this is from. Oh, episode five, Die Trying.
1: I love how you know all these episodes, the episode that they're from and their names and everything. I'm sure you have it all written down. Okay. I
0: I mark it. I mark it down in my notes. Come on, please. Well, this was just a cute moment because I don't know if you remember in Die Trying, that's when they're at the Federation and they're trying to convince Vance to let them help and Lieutenant Willa is on board and they're, you know, trying to figure out a way to get to the ship to get the, the, the plants that they need to save. And Willa watches uh, Stamets, Reno, and Tilly in action as they attempt to figure out a problem. And it's a lot of like insulting and yelling back and forth and not understanding. It's a whole, their whole weird relationship. And Willis says to function aside, you all make a pretty great team. And Reno says dysfunction is the team. Mm, yes. That was, a, that was a big one going back and looking at these early episodes. There's a lot of great lines in here that, you know, you didn't really get to, Oh, this was towards the, Oh yeah. Well, okay. And then I finally, an, 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 uh, an example of Tilly, displaying her her spine of steel when osiris says uh when tilly says what do you want and osiris says your ship your spore drive and your crew is leverage tilly says oh no not gonna happen you will not take the ship or anyone on it not now not ever no
1: Mm.
0: now osiris does take the ship but then tilly takes it back oh yeah oh yeah and this one is just for me because i don't think anyone else gets this nerdy about this one but I still love Sukal's quote from the final episode, which is, mm-hmm. "Oh computer, show me what I saw here, so I can be free." Which maybe, maybe I say to myself every night before I go to bed.
1: I um, bet you do.
0: Eh, maybe right. not every night.
1: I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull one of my favorites. Pull it, Giorgio. I could deconstruct both of you with a snappy insult and a withering glance. Mm.
0: Yeah, I really I had to choose my Georgia quotes because there's mm. every time she opens her mouth is uh, quotable.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. You had me at unsanctioned mission. I know that's
0: I've... where. Okay, that's the one. I, that's the one I thought you were gonna pick. Yeah,
1: that's a good one. I posted a lot of Georgia quotes to our our um, Instagram. Oh, what you call pain, I call foreplay.
0: That's right, Georgia.
1: Top, 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 top. Ooh, ooh. This was from. I think maybe this was last season. No, this was definitely this is last season, and it was to never mind. It was to um, Culber. Perhaps in feeling less like you were, you are more like who you were meant to become.
0: Ah, that is last season. That is that was last season. I think one of the one, last two episodes of the last season. Yeah, when Culber is thinking about leaving and then doesn't. Yeah. Ah, uh, so many people died. Anyway, that was season three of Star Trek Discovery. It was a wonderful, wonderful trip. We didn't know that it was going to happen when it did happen, but it did happen, and I'm so glad.
1: We have thoroughly enjoyed recapping all of the all of the episodes, not just season three, but right. all of them before. I'm yeah um, to, that's right. to get to this moment.
0: And if you're listening to this is a podcast, you can go back and listen to us recap each episode. And then when we oh, found yeah. out that season three was starting in like three months <laughs> recap two and sometimes three episodes at a time <laughs> which now that i've recapped 13 episodes at once it's a cake it's a cakewalk i could have just done it like yeah. that every time just speed talked my way through all the episodes could have done but uh yes this is the end of season three but maybe it's time for next time
1: well do you mean next time and conrad asking what's next folks
0: hit him with the music next time on Set Phasers. Yes, season three is over. And so there will be no discovery to discover for a while. However, this is not the end for Set Phasers because we are interested in the entire Star Trek universe. We will continue to put out this podcast because we love Star Trek, one. Because the world needs to discuss Star Trek, two. And three, because we're still stuck in our houses, so what else are we going to do on Friday night but hang out and talk Star Trek? So we thought it would be interesting if we took as our next uh, challenge to discuss uh, 2020's earlier offering, Star Trek Picard, which has, uh, I think, some interesting overlaps uh, with Discovery. Yes and no it does but certainly was the beginning of spawning, uh, spawning seemed to have spawn a few other star trek properties and it's just a great series overall mm. so starting next week is that true? Steph? Yeah, I think so. Starting immediately.
1: We could take a we could take a break but we're not going to.
0: Why would we take a break? Starting next week we will be discussing season 1 episode 1 of Star Trek Picard. <laughs> And I'm gonna say Picard like Picard. like a uh, Q. McKenning, uh, we are gonna do
1: lower decks, will, um, but we're gonna do them. We are Picard. gonna do lower decks, yeah. yeah. So we figured it's just finished.
0: We, have a, we have a theory. Well, I have a theory. I don't know if it's true, but it's goofy. I have a feeling that of all the shows that could have a season, another season happen in 2021, lower decks, which can be done the vo- the voice talent can do remotely, might come up with a season two. So we're hoping we do Picard. And then maybe do lower decks, and then maybe there's a lower deck season two, mm-hmm. so we can just roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, I, resistance is futile. What can Indeed. I say? So that's our plan. We thank you so much for sticking with us, and we hope that you will stick with us as we uh journey to other as we
1: other yeah, other planets as stuff. we continue yeah. to set phasers S- to Star Trek.
0: Hello. Hello, it's Highly Illogical and it's a Star Trek podcast. So thank you very much. Those of you watching now and those of you listening later, thank you very much for joining us. If you enjoyed the program, you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Facebook Live, unless we have some technical difficulties, and then you'll catch Maybe, us at like 8 yeah, 21 20 minutes after. on Facebook Live. <laughs> Who knows? Mm-hmm. We'll we'll make it happen one way or another. Or you can catch us as a podcast where everything is perfect after Steph has worked her magic on it that drops every Monday wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, So please, please, please uh, check us out and and rate and subscribe us if you do because that really does help people find the podcast.
1: We are, of course, on Facebook and Instagram at Steph Phasers. I do my very best to create some fun Star Trek content and I would love it if you liked the page, if you told your Star Trek-loving friends to like the page and share things, that would be amazing. So please follow us and join in the conversation of all things Trek with us right there.
0: You know, Star Trek loving the way you said it, it makes it sound kind of like an insult, like, you get your Star Trek loving <laughs> butt off my couch. And get a job! Okay, <laughs> um, if you want to support us in our continuing mission to discover whatever Discovery or Picard has in store for us, We'd only be delighted. We do have a Patreon, and you can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash Phasers.
1: And the Patreon is so fun. We do a monthly Netflix watch party, which we thoroughly enjoy. We get to chat with you guys and watch a couple of episodes of Star Trek. So please join us. It is a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Well, Aki, until next week, next time, when we start, card.
0: P card. Picard. Oh,
1: Lord. I'm Steph Manns.
0: And I am Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast.
1: Computer. And program. <laughs>